Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Logan Freeman. He is the key principal, co-founder, and chief development officer of FTW Investments. Logan, thanks so much for joining us. Seth, thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. Let's go back in time a little bit because you've got a kind of interesting career path from <laughs> football to FTW. Absolutely. So yeah, got started as a, you know an athlete my whole life. You know, grew up you know Jefferson City, Missouri. Uh, played ball through high school, college, got picked up as an undrafted free agent with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, that didn't work out. I got cut, went back to school and finished my master's degree, changed my whole life, got started in business and and moved to Kansas City and, um, you know, been working in the real estate space for the last five years. All right. Well, congratulations on that. Tell us a little bit about uh, FTW. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, you know, I've been on all sides of transactions in the real estate world and uh, mostly as a commercial broker in a previous life and, you know, just decided, hey, I want to get into the ownership side of things. And so I started purchasing real estate myself and found that it was, uh, you know, exhausting to own real estate and operate real estate by yourself. And so I I started to look for a team and a team that I could really rely on and started to put that in place. It's been a you know, three-year journey, but we've scaled effectively and efficiently now and, and have a pretty good kind of team put in place to allow us to continue to go to new markets. But, you know, that's kind of what we do is, is allow private investors to get access to real estate, but not have to manage toilets, tenants, and trash. The three T's, I love it. All right. So allowing private investors to get access to real estate, how does that work? How are you structured? Yeah. So typically we're, we're structured as syndication. So, you know, it's a syndication model where there's general partners and limited partners, um, you know, limited partners get a preferred return and there's a waterfall on top of that. So uh, our, our real specialty is being owner operators in our, our markets that we operate in. And so we don't do deals that we don't operate typically. Um, and we're very Midwest focused class B and C workforce housing uh, and triple net lease neighborhood retail and office is kind of our, our main focus. And so um, we haven't gone outside of, you know, the Midwest to this point, and, and we try to be experts in the markets that we operate in. That makes a lot of sense. So how are you sourcing your deals in the first place? Yeah, self-sourcing is the name of the game right now. You know, um, obviously COVID-19 gave us a big opportunity to uh, purchase quite a bit of real estate when everybody else was kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting for uh, COVID pricing. We were out there transacting. So that gave us a big foothold. 
allowed us to build some track record and some uh, trust with a lot of sellers in the marketplace. And so uh, this year's not been the same. It's been a lot more difficult because the uncertainty in the marketplace has definitely cleared up and allowed folks to say, hey, you know, commercial real estate is going to hold up and we're going to invest in it. And so um, now I'm seeing people pay 15, 20% higher than pre-pandemic levels. And so it just really takes a velocity of deal flow. And so we have cold callers, man. We, we have, uh, you know, on the phones, that's how we built every single business that we've started and been a part of is making, you know, 100 to 200 phone calls a day, building those relationships and just pounding the pavement. And I know that's not what people want to hear. You know, it's like you want to do something fun online and, and, and bring leads into your, your company. That's, that works for a lot of different parts. And we do do that on um, the investor side. But in regards to finding the deals, uh, you have to be able to create a margin of safety. I'm a broker myself. I work with other brokers. But uh, when it comes to actually acquiring properties, we're typically direct to seller. All right. So that's about the sourcing side. Now you talked about the team. Talk a little bit about the team that you put to, that you're working with. Yeah. So, I mean, we have every, everything from marketing in-house. Uh, we're working on getting construction in-house as well. But we have uh, asset management. So we have three people on the asset management side of the business. Uh, we have acquisitions in-house. Um, we, we have uh, bookkeeping and accounting in-house, financial controls in-house as well. Uh, and then we have the three principles. So the FTW stands for our last names, Freeman, Tuck, and Webb are for the win. And each one of us brings kind of a unique skill set to the table. Um, you know, myself on the self-sourcing of deals and investors, uh, Corey on the operations and scaling companies, and then Parker being a retail uh, kind of principal and, and more of a financial underwriter and analysis type. So all of that's in-house in regards to the team. Uh, we have some operational support, obviously, you know, admin support that we have on a regular basis as well. But uh, most of the things that we do is, is um, in regards to sourcing and, and uh, operating these deals effectively. Awesome. And you talked about the operations side, staying in the Midwest where you're strongest. Talk a little bit about like your boots on the ground approach to operating and managing those properties. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really important to be able to get to your properties, you know, and, and I, I, I can't stress this enough is, you know, when you're looking at new projects, you know, you have to know what your competition is. And if I'm not in a market and I don't have a good feel for it, I, I, I can't give you an analysis of that market. Obviously operating in Kansas and Missouri for the time that we have, I think we have a competitive edge and we started to get that in Nebraska and Iowa now as well. And so, I mean, the operations piece is, okay, well, you know, you need to have property managers that you can trust and that they can, you know, obviously operate the property effectively, but you need to be at those properties on a regular basis, making sure uh, that the construction is being done, that leasing is happening and the properties look well as, 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 as well. And so uh, that's, that's the part of it. And, and so we try to stay three and a half hours or so kind of around Kansas and Missouri um, so we can get there and back. You know, I was just in Des Moines, Iowa earlier this week uh, touring a new project. So um, that's a big part of it and, and holding people accountable and then the relationships. So, you know, when we talk about vendors, right, we need a painter, we need flooring, we need drywall, we need all we need counters and in, in, in bathroom packages. And so you have to have multitude of relationships along the vendor side of things. So when one person gets super busy, you can go to the next one. Uh, and you can keep the pricing competitive as well. That's kind of the name of the game of the construction world right now. You talked about, okay, so we talked about sourcing. We talked about operations. Now, how do investors participate in that? Quick legal disclaimer before you answer, we are not making any investment recommendations on this podcast. We are not making any solicitations. But how do investors participate in your deals in that limited partnership type structure? Yeah, I mean, a lot of our investors, Seth, are first-timers. And so we have education that goes on on a regular basis. I mean, what is private investing? What is commercial real estate? How do you get paid? 
Uh, how do you add value? How do you force appreciation? So uh, weekly educational content going out on, on that piece and on investment philosophy, right? And so thinking about getting uh, or uncorrelated returns that, that are uncorrelated to, the, to Wall Street. But at the end of the day, it, it's really a relationship that's being built uh, via marketing automation and via educational content. Um, and then when we have a new project, we have a webinar. So we just have a presentation of the project. It's live. So people come on and they ask questions. We answer those questions. And then it's a ton of follow-up. Um, and so that's, that's it. I mean, in, in regards to participation, I mean, it's very similar to an investment in the stock market in regards to what you have to do, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, you got to review their subscription and the, the private placement memorandum and all of those different documents. You got to understand the risks of the investment. Um, and, and then it's to wire your money and, and get your monthly and, and quarterly updates uh, on a regular basis. But I mean, it's, there's not much more participation um, from an LP standpoint than that. And then it's just regular communication with the principals and investor relations team. So if I'm writing a check, am I writing it to a fund or am I writing it for one specific project? I own 10% of that strip mall and then I'm getting the pass through of rent, income, tax reduction, tax deductions, all amortization, all that stuff. Yeah, great question. All single asset syndications up to this point, no fund structures uh, that we have put together. Some of the projects have multiple properties inside of them. Um, so maybe it was a portfolio of multifamily properties that we purchased together, um, but it's all directly tied to the actual project itself. Um, and you do have a direct ownership in the LLC that owns the real estate. Uh, and so you do have a percentage ownership in that uh, company. And then what, I mean, you've had so much success over the years. What would you say your biggest challenge is now? Biggest challenge now is simply finding new projects, finding, um, you know, vendors to continue to implement the business plans, um, you know, and, and keeping our pulse on construction costs and making sure that we navigate all the different regulations in regards to COVID. And so, I mean, collections, delinquency, uh, making sure we're following process on that is extremely important. But at the end of the day, you know, these residents of, of these properties have to pay their rent and we have to collect that rent. And so, um, you know, we have kind of a hashtag CTR. It's not click through rate, it's collect the rent. Um, and so we host, you know, events at the properties, man. You, you know, you want your donuts? Fantastic. Bring your rent check, you know? And so it's being, what we're seeing is kind of a trend as, especially in the workforce or uh, attainable housing space, I'll, I'll re-say that is, is attainable housing space is what we kind of focus on is you have to have high touch with these folks because they need to know uh, what you're doing to make sure that the property is, is improving and why rental increases are happening. Um, and when you're going through a management transition, who is the point of contact? You know, and so a lot of these are new acquisitions that we're transitioning from one management group to another one. And so there's a lot of touching that has to go on in regards to making that process as seamless as possible. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? You know, it's, it's this, man. I mean, it's being able to help people kind of focus on what they want to in their lives. I've, I've had some investors been, been able to, you know, build their passive income up to a point where they can step away from their kind of W-2 job that they, they've been at for 20, 25 years. And that's really, really rewarding is, is trying to help people get some income that's not correlated to the stock markets that they can rely on. Uh, and that's been, a, that's been a big piece that's been rewarding for me. The second one is, I mean, we, we are truly solving, at least in our markets, um, you know, taking properties away from landlords or slumlords and, and trying to create safe and affordable, clean housing. And uh, that's a big piece too is, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm blessed. I'm sitting in a home office right now. Not everybody has that same 
access. Okay. I, I understand that uh, a lot of our residents don't. And so um, working with nonprofits, I sit on the board of directors of, of a nonprofit here that works to end homelessness. We house a lot of that clientele in a lot of our properties. And that's been rewarding as well is, is literally learning about these families that were potentially going to be on the streets, finding a solution for them, giving them the resources that need, they need to be successful just to have a good life. And, and if you go back to the studies, children that do not have a safe or um, you know, consistent home life, um, you know, the, the studies show that they're much more prone to ending up in incarceration or out on the streets. And so um, a lot of the clientele that we serve um, is, is kind of impacted by that stuff. And so uh, that's been rewarding as well. How have you dealt with the challenges of, I mean, you mentioned collect the rent. How have you dealt with the changing regulations in terms of, for example, what you're allowed to do to collect the rent, when you're allowed to evict, how that process has now changed? We've had to educate ourselves like crazy and um, educate ourselves and then understand what that communication needs to be to these residents. I mean, we're talking about 2,000 people uh, that we are serving, you know, in regards to the multifamily side of our business. And so at the end of the day, it's like, okay, um, you know, you see a, a headline. Okay, great. You see this big, long article that kind of details the process. All right, fantastic. How is that actually, that's complete at the theoretical level, but how is that effective at the applied level? So then it's disseminating that information. It's working with the property managers to get the information that, that the residents need um, so they know that the resources are out there that they can be successful. And so um, it's just taken a lot of time. You know, as principals, we've had to spend a lot of time. We hired an associate asset manager just to handle um, this, this, this piece of our business, uh, to make sure that the property managers know what, uh, they need to be, you know, uh, obviously providing the residents and then also, uh, managing that process. So, I mean, it's, it's taken a whole, a whole uh, position that we've had to hire for. You advise so many different groups of people every day, whether it's investors, tenants, vendors, suppliers, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Man, I'll, I'll say this, be quick, but don't hurry. And I, I think it's, you know, you have to be able to move fast, but you can't be in a hurry. And when you're moving from the loudest to the latest is when mistakes start to happen. And this is just, this runs true in every part of our business. And so you have to be quick, but you can't be in a hurry and you have to be honest and transparent along the process. That is good advice for our folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more. Where is the best place for them to go? I appreciate that, Seth. Our website is ftwinvestmentsllc.com. Like I mentioned, lots of educational content up there. Highly active on LinkedIn as well on a regular basis. So if you're on LinkedIn, you can search Logan Freeman FTW Investments and you'll find us there as well. All right. This has been Seth Green with Logan Freeman of FTW. Logan, thank you so much for joining us. Seth, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat cheat text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today this show has been produced by market domination llc 
To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.